Hawaii burning. People fleeing to the sea. The National Guard deployed. 911 down. The historic town of Lahaina possibly destroyed. One resident telling local news that everyone I know, their homes have burned down. What's happening in paradise? Fueled in part by winds from Hurricane Dora, 800 miles to the southwest, a dry Hawaii has been ignited. Though the Big Island has seen some wildfires, Maui was hit the hardest. It might be difficult to believe, but there are natural dry sides on the Hawaiian Islands due to atmospheric conditions. But this year, these areas are in moderate to severe drought. It's hard to think that many of Lahaina's historic buildings from the 1800s and its tall banyan trees might be lost forever. Like the Apostle Peter, I'm looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells and no more disasters happen. Pray for Hawaii, but put your hope in Christ. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing together the great story that's all about Jesus. We're in a series this week called Saving a Life. When you've lost somebody close, like my wife Janet and me losing a son 20 years ago this month due to a drug overdose, how do you respond? Do you crawl into a shell and go into a stage of shock? What happens for a Christian? For Janet and me, we still had each other. We had two remaining children, but our hearts were heavy. The tears kept flowing. Good friends, a pastor and his wife spent much of Saturday night with us, even though he had to preach the following morning. Sunday came, and with little sleep, we both woke up and just had to go to church. We wanted to be comforted by God's people, and we were. We were comforted when that same pastor told the congregation what had happened the day before and led in prayer, but by all God's people surrounding us in prayer and the love of Christ. After the service and burial the next week in Oklahoma, Janet and I wanted to be with God's people again in worship. We were in Dallas, and we went to a church where a close friend of mine was preaching. Dan Duncan's text just happened to be Luke 9, the story of the father who brought his demon-possessed boy to Jesus for healing. The Lord was with us. My friend wasn't preaching about a remote incident several centuries removed. We were right there, identifying with every detail the helplessness of the father who had watched his son hurt again and again and not being able to protect him. The powerful hold of the evil one bent on destroying that boy. The father's desperate search for someone to help the inability of the disciples to save the boy, even though so many others had been delivered. The panic of the father when it seemed his son's was the one case that wasn't going to yield. But then came Jesus, down from the mountain, where the wattage of his glory had blinded the disciples, down into the polluted valley where we live our broken lives, a man of sorrows acquainted with our grief. In a moment, we're going to turn our eyes to this passage in Luke 9, and see how the Lord ministered to this father and how he ministered to Janet and me. And we're also going to do something very unique. We're going to hear from four teenagers who have put their hope in Jesus. Stay with me. I want you to meet Jada, Jim, Dylan, and Noel, who are going to share how they put their hope in Christ alone. After the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the book that my wife Janet and I wrote after our son died called Saving a Life how we found courage when death rescued our son. 
If you or someone you know is trying to get free from addiction, or you're walking through addiction with someone you love, this book will show you the only ultimate answer to addiction is intervention by God's Holy Spirit. Sounds too easy, and yet it's true. It's possible in Christ. You can read more about the book when you visit haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And when you're there, check out our Great Stories podcast, where Janet and I talk more about the loss of our son and how the Lord saw us through our grief. You can also call us after this program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And a quick reminder, we still have Then Sings My Soul, a devotional book sharing the backstories of 150 great hymns of the Christian faith. And so many people have been asking for multiple copies to give away to family and friends. Ask about that when you contact us after the program today. And now let's open this haven today on a high note with Casting Crowns. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We were made to be courageous. We were warriors on the front lines, standing unafraid. But now we're watchers on the sidelines, while our families slip away. Haven today, Casting Crowns, Courageous. One of the great themes that Janet and I found after our son's death was finding courage in the Lord and the unique way he ministered to us. We found courage in Christ, of course, but we also found courage in biblical passages that were preached and that we read that seemed to connect to us personally. I began our time a moment ago thinking about one such moment in Dallas at a church the Sunday after we had buried our son's body. I'll share more about that in a moment. But I want to share something special with you first. Our executive producer, Troy Lamberth, also was a pastor at his local church. And every year they host a youth conference for teenagers. The final night of the conference, they gathered around to sing worship songs and hear from young people on how the Lord had worked in their lives and brought them to faith in Christ. And so I want to have... A little summer camp experience with you right now as we share a few testimonies from these teenagers. The first one up is Jim Lynn. He lives in Nevada. All right. So when I was like eight, there was a time in my life where I thought that I was saved. And honestly, I don't think I was. I think I was pretty convincing, if you know what I mean. 
like I thought I, I was able to convince myself, you know, that the Lord had, you know, done something. But down to the root of it, I could recite all the could recite all the verses and tell you how the gospel worked but i didn't really i don't know my heart wasn't there like i could tell you about how i was supposedly saved but in reality i wasn't really wanting to live a life for god especially when i got older it's like 14 15 maybe i like i don't know started to think in different ways if you know what i mean more questioning the word or things that i've been taught by my parents who are christians (laughs) Starting in middle school, I was homeschooled, so I wasn't around a lot of people, a lot of different kinds of people, mainly just other homeschoolers, people from church. Um, So when I got a job, it was totally different. I was like learning all these new ideas about drugs and about, I don't know, down inside, I was kind of questioning like things that I've been taught, like, are they legitimate? Like, do I really want to buy into that? Then I went to the Riverside Youth Conference and the teachings there and just being around so many Christians starting to get to me, honestly. Like, I was like, this is not me. Like, during the testimony times, everybody was sharing their testimony of who they were before they were saved. And some of them really got to me like, oh my goodness, you know, these people having struggles with drugs or, you know, strong like anger or, you know, sexual immorality or whatever. It got to me because I was like, I realized like I wasn't willing to live a life for God. So this could be me in like a year, you know? And so I didn't really like that, you know? And so I, that's when I asked the Lord in my life and he's made me a changed person ever since. The year after that, I definitely learned like, even once you're saved, you're not gonna be perfectly cured of sin. You know what I mean? You're not gonna be perfectly always able to combat sin or you are but you you don't always choose to do it but i was able to fight it kind of stronger knowing who i am in god i think i was probably a lot easier to live with too i think before i was definitely more angry it's kind of an angry person (laughs) kind of always being grumpy and i don't know not always being able to look on the bright side but jesus is perfection obviously he's the one that pulled me out of the hole out of you know out of the hell the hell destination (laughs) he's he's got to be worships worship yeah that's another thing that changed since i was saved like worshiping in church it's easier to stay kind of focused or like on the songs and stuff and you're actually kind of feeling it and you're not just (laughs) you're not just singing the songs and putting your hands in the air you're like you're actually like understanding the lyrics and i don't know it's more affectionate during worship i think like Jesus, he's got to be worshipped. So that's kind of how I think of his personality as well, if you know what I mean. This is Haven Today, and that was a young man named Jim Lynn who lives just down the hill from Lake Tahoe, but on the Nevada side. His testimony makes me think of a psalm from David that says, For in the day of trouble he will hide me in his shelter. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Psalm 27, 5. The Lord delivers his people from their sin, and he covers us with his righteousness. Now, I'd like you to hear another story from a young woman named Jada. And even though she grew up in a Christian home, she learned how she could only put her hope in Christ alone. 
By the grace of God, I've been brought up in a Christian household and had conviction that I was a depraved sinner in need of a Savior. And my parents would continuously read to me the Word and help me understand how it pertains to my life and the meaning of it. I would watch my siblings go through different trials and the things that they struggled with, and I was able to see how sin really affects our lives. And I was brought up with fear about these things and becoming a teenager. It made me nervous for my teenage years. But as especially I went through my teenage years, I was able to see the challenges with the flesh and the grip that sin could have on my life. I was baptized at the age of nine, and I started to take communion at our current church then. In 2018, we came to RBCR, and my faith continued to grow, as well as my knowledge in Christ. And over the next few years, I saw how challenging it was to fight the flesh, so I sought membership at our local church, RBCR. But along the way, I went through some things in my life that let me feel convicted, and I ended up slowing down on my membership process. And instead of me running to Christ during those moments or talking to my parents, I kept my struggles to myself, and I actually shared them with a friend my own age. The longer that I kept this to myself and from Christ and my parents and confided in this friend, I realized the harder it became. I see now the danger of the sin I was in and how easy it was to make someone else a crutch or idol that we depend on. Like Proverbs 28:13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And I continually see that this sin and as I was in it was really crutch and idol of the person I depended on and I had realized that anger had took hold of me and it led me down my self-destructive path and my circumstances were dictating my emotions and that was becoming ugly. I feel like the standard of perfection that I continuously tried to meet up to was even simple and trying to get all A's in school which is something so little it may seem but those little perfection was I need to have all A's I need to have a perfect attitude all the time and when I did feel the emotions of anger or these normal things that you feel as a teenager, I felt that I wasn't meeting the perfection because I'm not supposed to feel this way since that's not what perfection is. And so as I was dealing with that, when I ran to Christ, I realized I'm not perfect, which is why I have Christ. And he was perfect for me. And he had these temptations and the same trials that I'm going through, but yet he was perfect. So it makes me feel rested in him knowing that he was able to complete something that I could never do. And so when I came home from youth conference, I resolved to speak with my parents and was able to find my mom alone and talk to her about the things I was going through. And it had been a rough year on many levels, and I hadn't run to Christ as I knew I should. But after speaking with my parents, I was able to mourn and cry and weep for my sin. But I knew I was a child of God saved by grace and by Christ, but I was struggling with these things and going through a bump in the road, as you might say as a Christian. And it was unexpected for me because the circumstance was unexpected, and I'm very thankful to be on the other side of it. That's Jada Barton here on Haven Today, and I hope you're being blessed as we have a little summer camp testimony time here on the program. Don't you just love hearing teenagers putting their hope in Jesus? Another song from David, Psalm 511 says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. May you shelter them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. That's what Noelle from Central California did when she put her faith in Christ. Well, I was raised in a Christian home entire life. I was very blessed to grow up with parents who loved the Lord. You know, going to church every Sunday, when I was about eight years old, I was, I was baptized. And the reason that I was baptized wasn't because I loved God. I mean, I believed in God. I did believe that he was real, but I didn't believe that Jesus had saved me because I had grown up hearing that, oh, Jesus on the cross for you, but it wasn't real to me. The idea of demons was real and I was, and hell was real to me. And I was scared that if I wasn't baptized and didn't believe in God, when I died, I would go to hell and I didn't want that. So I ended up being baptized out of fear 
of Satan and instead of being baptized out of obedience to him and baptized out of a love for God, I was baptized because I was afraid. After, so I just went on with my life after I was baptized. I kept going to church and I kept taking communion every month with my church. And before we take communion, my pastor would always go over, he would explain how it's only for Jesus's followers and for true believers. And that if you took it, you were just pouring more wrath out upon yourself. And I started to get really just comfortable in the pattern of, you know, just like going to church on Sunday, you know, but I was living my life. I wasn't reading my Bible. I didn't care about God. But that kind of scared me when I started to really think about that. Like, hey, if I'm not really saved, I'm bringing God's wrath out upon myself through this. And then I started to become afraid. Like every day I would wake up. It was almost like this fear over my chest of like, it was. It felt like a weight on my chest. Of like Jesus could come back today and I wouldn't be ready. And I wouldn't really be saved. And I would have judgment waiting for me instead of his love waiting for me. And um, through that, I fell into a lot of anxiety. I felt so alone all the time. And I fell into an eating disorder because it was something in my life that I was in control of. For some reason, I felt like if I could change myself outwardly, then maybe somehow it would change me inwardly as well. But obviously it didn't. One day it kind of hit me. I don't remember exactly all of the circumstances, but I remember I was laying in my bed and I was just praying. And I was like, God, if you're even real, like why? Like why, why can't I just know that you're real? Why can't I feel your presence? Why don't you just like, send a lightning bolt from heaven and say, no, well, I'm real, you know? <laughs> like, why is it, why isn't it super clear? Eventually it just sort of clicked in my mind that but it was just this big moment for me where it was like, Jesus loves me and that it wasn't about anything I could do because I had been trying so hard to live a Christian life and to be this little perfect Christian girl. And it wasn't real because it was from my own strength and from who I thought I was and also who I was trying to be. And it wasn't just from God's unconditional love. And so in that moment, I was just kind of like, you know what, God, I'm going to surrender this. After I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to save me, just this overwhelming joy came over me. And I've never experienced anything like it before. It was actually crazy. I believe it was the Holy Spirit that he was giving to me, but it felt just like this wave of joy wash over me. And it was like, after that moment, I didn't have to worry anymore because everything just kind of made sense. All the things that I've been struggling with, all of the, obviously like now I still struggle with like anxiety and you know, remaining sin and like there's still hardships and stuff, but like God completely transformed my mindset of how I was thinking about things and my heart towards things. And I was just able to trust him and he took away the spiritual battle that was inside of me of just wanting to be his child, but also not wanting to. And I just realized like, you know, what, just got to give it all to God and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Haven today. And that was Noelle May sharing how the Lord worked in her life. Don't you just love hearing those teenaged giggles? She's full of the joy of the Lord. The Apostle Paul prayed that believers in Christ would be filled with the power of the Spirit. He wrote in Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our last testimony today is from a young woman named Dylan. She lives in the California desert. My parents divorced when I was two, and I have an older brother, and he's about two years older than me. Um, and my mom stayed rooted in Christ, and so by God's grace, I got to grow up going to church. Um, but my biological father became very resentful and angry towards Christians. Um, so my parents both remarried. Um, my mom married a man who strives to glorify God in all he does, and he has been such a good example for me of what a man of God should look like. And I thank God for giving me him as an example. 
And so in late 2021, my older brother started to identify as bisexual. Um, this was a very hard thing to find out, but I just told my brother that I would love him no matter what. I was told by someone that if I did not love him enough, he would commit suicide and it would be my fault. Um, and that was really hard to hear because I loved my brother and I cared about him and I wanted to show him love. And so unfortunately, my dad and stepmom have abused alcohol since I was little and I did not feel safe to live with them anymore. And so in late January of 2020, I moved out of my dad's house and my, re my relationship declined with my dad and I started to struggle with more depression and anxiety. And so through this season, I remember the hope that I can only find in Christ and the only true peace that I can find in Christ. Things just felt like they were getting worse and I was like, I don't know what to do. And my stepdad reminded me like, you need to find your hope in Christ. You need to go to Christ. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I continue to remember that, that one day we would be reunited with Christ and there would be no more pain or suffering. And as Christians, we are promised persecution and I am thankful to feel persecution because it brings glory to God. Um, Matthew 5:10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so things have gotten a little bit a better place with my relationship with my brother and my dad. And I have remembered through this that God is sanctifying me and the only hope you can find in this world is in Christ. And the world will continue to fail you, but Christ will always be there. Haven today, and I hope you enjoyed a little summer camp testimony time. I'm grateful for Dylan Collins, who just shared along with Noel, Jada, and Jim. Keep praying for the teenagers, the young, and your life. The Lord is able to save them. Now back to the passage of scripture that the Lord used to encourage my wife and me after our son's death 20 years ago this month. We were at church on a Sunday morning in Dallas. The pastor was sharing about the young man possessed by demons and the father who was helpless to give his son aid. Luke 9, 37, a large crowd met him and a man from the crowd shouted saying, teacher, I beg you to look at my son. The father summarized the boy's terrible condition for Jesus' benefit, telling him about the years of watching his son ravished by evil, and then adds this final hopeless note, I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. What comes next is Christ's strong reaction to unbelief. Oh, perverted and faithless generation, how long must I be with you? He was confronting a wall of unbelief the unbelief of his disciples, the unbelief of the crowd, and the unbelief of the Father. All were intimidated and overwhelmed, just like we have all been so many times. This lack of faith grieved Jesus. They were responding to the enemy as the one with power, rather than giving that respect to Christ. The Father said to Jesus in the parallel Mark 9 passage, Can you heal him? And Jesus responded abruptly, If you can, everything is possible for him who believes. The father then responded with that classic line, I do believe. Help my unbelief. He was looking to Jesus to close the gap that he couldn't close. 
to give him what he didn't have, and that was faith. Just to cry out to Jesus for what he couldn't do, to provide whatever he lacked. If there's anything Janet and I had learned through our son's life and death by going down so far beyond all our resources, it's that you can cry out from any condition and Jesus will be there. If I can share anything with you today, and I've shared it many times since, it is this one lesson. Jesus is there. Haven Today, I'm Charles Morris. You know, as Janet and I began to process the death of our son, we wanted to share with others how our great God of all compassion, who gives us courage, drew near to us in the worst of times. We didn't want to write a book full of cliches and false hopes. We wanted to show how Jesus is always present in our hurt. And that's how our book, Saving a Life, began to take shape. And the subtitle says it all, how we found courage when death rescued our son. This book is an honest look into the raw and ugly pain that addiction brings. But as you read, you'll see how the Lord led us and drew near to us in very real ways that only the Holy Spirit could orchestrate. You can read more about the book and make your gift and get a copy when you visit us now at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or you can call us right now at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And as I mentioned earlier, let me remind you again, we still have Robert Morgan's Then Sings My Soul for your gift to the ministry. It's a devotional book that shares stories about 150 hymns, and it includes the sheet music and lyrics. So many have asked for multiple copies to give away to family and friends. Ask about that when you call us right now. I know you and anyone else will be blessed to read it and sing aloud the praises of God. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when we conclude our series, Saving a Life, all in light of the great story that's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Here's a question. Why are you a Christian? You might answer, because Christ saved me from my sin. And you'd be absolutely right. But there's another answer as well. Mark 16, 20 gives us a hint. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word with the signs that accompanied it. We believe today because they were faithful then, and the Lord confirmed their work by changing hearts and saving souls. That's why we believe. Christ has been working since the very beginning to bring us home, and he's not done. There are more to be saved, and by his grace, we get to participate in his work. Go forth and preach everywhere. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchored.com.